0: Hey, nerds. My name is Will Wheaton, and you are hearing me talk. It is Monday, July 6th, 2020, and this is Chapter 6 of The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. Enjoy! Chapter 6. The Furniture That Went Mad Now, it happened that in the early hours of Wit Monday, before Millie was hunted out for the day, Mr. Hall and Mrs. Hall both rose and went noiselessly down into the cellar. Their business there was of a private nature and had something to do with the specific gravity of their beer. They had hardly entered the cellar when Mrs. Hall found she had forgotten to bring down a bottle of sarsaparilla from their joint room. As she was the expert and principal operator in this affair, Hall very properly went upstairs for it. On the landing, he was surprised to see that the stranger's door was ajar. He went on into his own room and found the bottle as he had been directed. But returning with the bottle, he noticed that the bolts of the front door had been shot back, that the door was, in fact, simply on the latch. And with a flash of inspiration, he connected this with the stranger's room upstairs and the suggestions of Mr. Teddy Henfrey. He distinctly remembered holding the candle while Mrs. Hall shot these bolts overnight. At the sight, he stopped, gaping, then, with the bottle still in his hand, went upstairs again. He rapped at the stranger's door. There was no answer. He rapped again then pushed the door wide open and entered. It was as he expected. The bed, the room also, was empty. And what was stranger, even to his heavy intelligence, on the bedroom chair and along the rail of the bed were scattered the garments, the only garments, so far as he knew, and the bandages of his guest. His big slouch hat even was cocked jauntily over the bedpost. "'As Hall stood there, he heard his wife's voice "'coming from the depth of the cellar, "'with that rapid telescoping of the syllables "'and interrogative cocking up the final words "'to a high note, by which the West Sussex villager "'is wont to indicate a brisk impatience. "'George, you got word a wand?' "'At that, he turned and hurried down to her. "'Janny,' he said over the rail of the cellar steps, "'tis the truth what Henfrey says. "'E's not in his room, he ain't, "'and the front door's unbolted.' At first, Mrs. Hall did not understand, and as soon as she did, she resolved to see the empty room for herself. Hall, still holding the bottle, went first. If he ain't there, he said, his clothes are. And what's he doing without his clothes, then? Tis a most curious business. As they came up the cellar steps, they both, it was afterwards, ascertained, fancied they heard the front door open and shut, but seeing it closed and nothing there, neither said a word to the other about it at the time. Mrs. Hall passed her husband in the passage and ran on first upstairs. Someone sneezed on the staircase. Hall, following six steps behind, thought that he heard her sneeze. She, going on first, was under the impression that Hall was sneezing. She flung open the door and stood regarding the room. Of all the curious, she said. She heard a sniff close behind her head, as it seemed, and turning was surprised to see Hall a dozen feet off the topmost stair but in another moment he was beside her. She bent forward and put her hand on the pillow and then under the clothes. Cold, she said, he's been up this hour or more. As she did so, a most extraordinary thing happened. The bedclothes gathered themselves together, leapt up suddenly into a sort of peak and then jumped headlong over the bottom rail. It was exactly as if a hand had clutched them in the center and flung them aside. Immediately after, the stranger's hat hopped off the bedpost, described a whirling flight in the air through the better part of a circle, and then dashed straight at Mrs. Hall's face. Then, as swiftly came the sponge from the washstand, and then the chair, flinging the stranger's coat and trousers carelessly aside, and laughing dryly in a voice singularly like the stranger's, turned itself up with its four legs at Mrs. Hall, seemed to take aim at her for a moment, and charged at her. She screamed and turned, and then the chair legs came gently but firmly against her back and impelled her and Hall out of the room. The door slammed violently and was locked. The chair and bed seemed to be executing a dance of triumph for a moment, and then, abruptly, everything was still. Mrs. Hall was left almost in a fainting condition in Mr. Hall's arms on the landing. It was with the greatest difficulty that Mr. Hall and Millie, who had been roused by her scream of alarm, succeeded in getting her downstairs and applying the restoratives customary in such cases. "'Tis spirits,' said Mrs. Hall. "'I know tis spirits. I've read papers of them, tables and chairs, leaping and dancing. Take a drop more, Janney,' said Hall. "'Twill steady ye. Lock him out said mrs hall don't let him come in again i half guessed i might have known with them goggling eyes and bandaged head and never going to church of a sunday and all they bottles more it's right for anyone to have he's put the spirits into the furniture my good furniture. 'Twas in that very chair my poor dear mother used to sit when i was a little girl to think it should rise up against me now just a drop more jenny said hall your nerves is all upset they sent Millie across the street to the golden five o'clock sunshine to rouse up Mr. Sandy Wadgers, the blacksmith. Mr. Hall's compliments and furniture upstairs was behaving most extraordinary. Would Mr. Wadgers come along? He was a knowing man, was Mr. Wadgers, a, a, a and very resourceful. He took quite a grave view of the case. I'm darned if then ain't witchcraft, was the view of Mr. Sandy Wadgers. You aren't horseshoes for such gentry as he. He came round greatly concerned. They wanted him to lead the way upstairs to the room, but he didn't seem to be in any hurry. He preferred to talk in the passage. Over the way, Huxter's apprentice came out and began taking down the shutters of the tobacco window. He was called over to join the discussion. Mr. Huxter naturally followed over in the course of a few minutes. The Anglo-Saxon genius for parliamentary government asserted itself. There was a great deal of talk and no decisive action. "'Let's have the facts first,' insisted Mr. Sandy Wadgers. "'Let's be sure we'd be acting perfectly right in busting that there door open. "'A door on bust has always opened to bustin', "'but you can't on-bust a door once you've busted in.' "'And suddenly, and most wonderfully, "'the door of the room upstairs opened of its own accord. "'And as they looked up in amazement, they saw descending the stairs.' the muffled figure of the stranger, staring more blackly and blankly than ever with those unreasonably large blue glass eyes of his. He came down stiffly and slowly, staring all the time. He walked across the passage staring, then stopped. Look there, he said, and their eyes followed the direction of his gloved finger and saw a bottle of sarsaparilla hard by the cellar door. Then he entered the parlor and suddenly, swiftly, viciously slammed the door in their faces. Not a word was spoken until the last echoes of the slam had died away. They stared at one another. Well, if that don't lick everything, said Mr. Wadgers, and left the alternative unsaid. I'd go in and ask about it, said Wadgers to Mr. Hall. I'd demand an explanation. It took some time to bring the landlady's husband up to that pitch. At last, he rapped, opened the door, and got as far as, excuse me, go to the devil, said the stranger in a tremendous voice, and shut that door after you. So, that brief interview terminated.